Hello, and welcome to some Derps Talk About Fallout 4. I'm your host, the Lone Wanderer Mango. And I'm your co-host, the Courier Buddy. Typically on uh, some Derps, Derps Talk About games, we, uh, we focus on a lot of different stuff. But this week, oh boy, we're talking about Fallout 4. Holy shit, I have the game and I've been playing it and I have so many things I want to talk about, dude. I can't even contain myself. Yes, um, I do too. I have also been playing the game. I believe both of us were sitting on our mics when the game dropped and screaming about how it took about a half an hour to patch in the last piece. Yeah, seriously, that was some bullshit. <laughs> That's pretty typical for Steam releases, though. Um, That's true. Just as a quick note to any first-time viewers, we talked about our initial impressions based on pre-release materials last week. So if you'd like to kind of match us up before and after, uh, please feel free to go listen to, I guess that's episode 5, which I think was incredibly titled Pip-Boy Bling in like the most pop culture references of, uh, it's gonna be really dated in a few years. Like, nobody's gonna know what that's referencing. Yeah, I, I also realized <laughs> that the reason that it was on my mind is that, um, our uh, friends, friends of the show, Unwise Index, had labeled their most recent episode Halloween Bling. Ah. I had subconsciously inserted that. <laughs> well, so, all apologies. Hey man, it's just, you know, cross promotion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, just to give a quick outline, at first we're going to talk about initial impressions without doing any kind of spoilery material, uh, and then about halfway through we'll give a big fat spoiler warning, uh, you know, for anybody who doesn't really want to go too far into the story. Neither of us have finished the game, in fact I would say that we're both pretty early on, but just to keep things, you know, pure for the purists sake uh there will be a spoiler warning about halfway through but uh i don't know otherwise you know what uh hit well, me. hold hold on one second because i unlike you i follow the fallout 4 stuff on the forums and if you are a pure purist and you think that talking about the mechanics in the game count as spoilers that's gonna happen pretty much immediately uh so wow. if, if there if, are if, there if, are purists that pure um there there are purists that pure i think they mostly existed before the game released like, I don't want to be surprised. I want to be surprised by everything when I go into the game and come into it with a clean slate. Kind of like what you did, That's actually. true. I did, in fact, do that. Uh, though I guess I've been a little bit less hyper about it as time has gone on. Sure, but, you know, in case there's anybody, any, any, maybe we have some listeners in Japan who don't get it until December and feel that way. Um, and so, if, if you are one of those people, then this cast is going to have those types of mechanic spoilers almost immediately. Uh, so, yeah, uh. That's that's the end of the spoiler warning, I guess, for this first part. Um, so yeah, I actually have, um, like, to just get this all out of the way. Like, first impressions, the game's amazing. So don't don't. I'm about to gripe about some stuff because there's some things that are very, very irksome to me in this game. Oh boy, man, there is so much I want. I, I actually I want to say the exact same thing, and I just I like this game, man. I really like this game it's probably like it's probably going to be a top game for me this year right if it tops the list of my top five that i'm sure we'll eventually do on this podcast do not be surprised right that th that this could be my number one game of the year but oh my god there are some ridiculously frustrating things wrong about it uh yes but yes. <laughs> yeah but yeah just just to be very clear we're gonna bitch about some stuff but this game is awesome it is a uh nine or ten on ten game um you know I, I don't like doing numbers but like just that kind of like that kind of 
bit. So when we bitch, it's like these are things that detract from it and maybe make it like a 9.5 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 or hold it back in very minimal ways. But it is an amazing game. But yeah, um, my I'm, I'm going to go first just because this thing bothers me. It bothers me for a very specific reason. For our listeners out there, I am left-handed. Um, and I use the mouse on the left side of the keyboard, and I remap all of my keys to the right side of the keyboard. Um, and the remapping in Fallout 4 sucks. It, it, it's terrible. It is one of the worst systems that I have seen. Um, so I can remap all, I can remap a bunch of the keys, but a lot of the keys that have like different functions in menu, those functions don't get remapped and there's no option to remap them separately. Like, for instance, I use the arrow keys to move, and I use the end key for my activate pickup key, um, what's normally the E key. When there's an item out in the world, you can just pick it up with the end key, but if you're, like, in a container, um, I have to use, like, I have to use the E key to pick it up. And if I'm in a menu, I have to use the E key. And I remapped uh, the Pip-Boy from tab to the backslash key, um, and if I'm in the Pip-Boy, I have to use the tab t- key to close it out but I have to open it with the backslash key. It is one of the single most infuriating experiences I've had as a gamer. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's playable, obviously. It's just so aggro. Things like um, holding your breath with the sniper rifle is, is uh, the same key as, like, the, uh, is the left alt key, which is the default key for power attack and uh, grenades. And... It, that doesn't remap either. I have to reach my hand across the keyboard, hit the left alt key while I'm sniping. I'm playing a sniper build, so it comes up all the time. I'm surprised you haven't moved to uh, to a controller. Is this, is that just for gun? Yeah, gun stuff. Yeah, yeah, I cannot aim for crap with the controller. I just, I just, I, I don't like it. I feel fr- it's, I'm frustrated every time I use it. Um, and honestly, the biggest thing that this affects is the settlement building. Um, I didn't realize until Buddy. Um, and one of our other friends told me that you could move while you're in the settlement menu because normal movement is is WASDA and you select things with the arrow keys. But the way I play, I move with the arrow keys and that just gets overwritten in the in the settlement building menu. So you just select things and it doesn't revert the arrow keys to movement or the WASDA keys to movement rather. So I can't move around while I'm in settlement building. I have to approximate where I'm going to be. I have to open the settlement building menu and hope to God that I'm in the right place. That or I have to remap my keys before I start and move back to a WASDA situation, which obviously is uncomfortable for me because I'm left-handed. Um, it's just, I, I don't, like, th- this above all things bothers me because it's 2000 freaking 15 and we can't get a good freaking keyboard remapping. It's 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 ridiculous. That is, I, that is... It's obviously something I'd never think about or whatever. But I will say for your settlement remapping needs, one of the things that I recently discovered is that by holding down, like, the placement key, you can actually uh, – you can move around the, the, the piece that you're trying to place with – you know, it, 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 it's – I, I don't know how it works on the keyboard, but in the, in the controller, when I hold that down, it means that I can rotate the piece or I can move it up and down or left and right without actually moving myself, which was... Sure, but that's... That was a big help. So I have that too, and I can use that, and it's... But it's very limited. It doesn't, it doesn't have infinite range, and if I'm in... 
And once I found that out, obviously, I had a little bit better time arranging things. But if I'm just a little bit too far away or a little bit too close, I have to exit out of the menu, back up. And then part of it, too, is um, something that doesn't have to happen because I've got a keyboard and has a billion keys, but this game was built for the consoles, is that it's a long press on the key. Like, I should just be able to, like, map a key to this function and hit it and have it instantly go into settlement building mode. Um, and it sounds like a little thing, but when you have to, like, reposition yourself like I have to do, having to hold down that key is, 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 is like, the capstone to the frustration. It's like, long press, I'm in the wrong place, Move or hit the escape key, move my fans back to the arrow key so I can move to a different position, long press, and it pops up. And it's, it's, it's just so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's obviously a game that was optimized for use with a controller, which... Uh, as a, as a member of the PC Master Race is unacceptable to me. Yeah, I mean, as a member of the PC Master Race, I definitely uh, I understand that frustration. Um, but uh, you know, I've played all of my Fallout games on a controller because when I had Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas, I've played both of them on PC since then. But uh, um, it, I played them on the Xbox at the time, so it's just kind of like the natural way for me to play Fallout for a weird. I don't know. I, I I don't really have a better way to uh, explain that. Plus, I just kind of felt like the keyboard was weirdly slow. Like that there was like it's almost like I was lagging in the game when I was playing with the keyboard. Like there was this like wind up, wind down to everything I was doing that was like super small. But that might have, was, that might actually be your your particular keyboard. I've had that experience with some particular keyboards in the past. Um, but yeah. I feel that. Yeah. But yeah, that is that is my incredibly specific complaint that is shared by a number of people who, uh, like, I saw the same complaint for people who use ESDF to move. Um, I don't know who those people are, but they have the same pain as I do. Um, and I'm sure in the future, whenever this pops up again, I will rant for another, how long did I rant for? Like three minutes about how the left-handed controls aren't sufficient. But that that is that is my that is my prime prime thing. It's, it affects me. It's it's weird for me because it affects me so significantly and directly detracts from my enjoyment of the game. But like ninety percent of people doesn't make a, a difference for. Yeah, so I definitely feel that. It's, it's 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 a weird place to be in. Well, you know, on the flip side of that, what would you say? You know, like what what about the game has been the best in uh, your opinion? The best, huh? There's a lot of things that I think are good, but I think the thing that's most improved in the series is the gunplay. Like, the gunplay feels good. It feels like a a modern shooter. It feels, like, in, in terms of the solidness of that gunplay. Yeah. Um, it blends seamlessly with vets, um, and it just feels good to fire guns. It doesn't feel stilted or anything. And vets, you know, works as well as it always has, and it's always worked well. And you can merge the two together, and it's and it's absolutely great. Um, and so I think that's one of the high points for this. Like, there are other, obviously, great high points in terms of, like, world building and whatnot. And other high points that I don't want to get into right yet because I've kind of got mixed feelings about them. Like, and I'm sure you'll have a lot to say about them. But I think the single biggest thing that's improved from, say, from Fallout 3 New Vegas is the gunplay. I think I actually agree with that um, in, in a sense of, mo- you know, most improved thing. It's actually, well... Okay, I have a lot of I have a lot of frustration with this game, but I think that the core of it is very solid. You know, like 
the skeleton on which this 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 game is built is super super solid. In fact, it's almost kind of like the opposite of uh, you know, like Civilization Beyond Earth. One of the things about Civilization Beyond Earth that I really liked was all of this ancillary stuff was really great and it was really neat. Like all of this kind of outside you know, um, things like having these little these little flavor quests on, you know, uh, things you build and uh, having the web tech tree rather than the, in, the art design. All of that stuff was great. But everything was undermined by the core of the game falling apart because the AI wasn't strong enough to actually be a challenge, right? And the difficulty curve was just frankly poorly designed in the first place, right? Uh, we've talked about this before where numbers is how the computer catches up with you. You know, they just get raw stat boosts. They don't actually yeah, they think cheat. any – yeah, they cheat. They don't actually think any smarter, um, which to me is uh, – well, it's pretty poor design. Um, and Fallout is the opposite of that. There's a lot of little stuff, just like ancillary backpack stuff that just – I, I – I'm so frustrated with it, and I and it's nitpicky, and I feel and it, it it's it's part of the um, conflict that I have, right? Because on one hand, it feels like this game was made for me. This is the kind of game that I go fucking nuts for, and I love it. Uh, but on the other, it's got all of these problems that just bug me on a on a like on a fundamental level, and so I, I find myself in a weird position where like. If somebody were to tell me, or if somebody were to ask me, like, hey, I want to play Fallout 4, should I get that or not? I have a very hard time answering that question because I, I, got, a lot of, I got a lot of competing thoughts about everything I don't know. I don't know on. if I can agree. Like, if someone asked me, should I play Fallout 4, I'd say absolutely yes. You know, there, there are some things that, like, I would say are, are non-optimal in 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 terms of of how uh, of how the game is presented, you know, there there are these issues that there are, but I don't think that's enough for me to not recommend the game. I don't think I could recommend the game to anybody that doesn't like that didn't like Fallout Three. Yeah, which wow. is, I I mean that might be like weirdly harsh, but at the same time, it's a sixty dollar game, um, and and this might be some somewhere where you and I disagree, but I think Fallout Four, in in its current state. It'll probably get there. Uh, Fallout 4 is worse than Skyrim, right? If somebody were to tell me, hey, I want to play Fallout 4, I would kind of be like, hey, have you played Skyrim yet? Because it's half as much money and it's better in its current state. You know what I mean? Like, even, I mean, I've actually theoretically been there for the release of Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, and Skyrim, right? I played release builds of all of those games, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, kind of by technicality rather than just by straight-up launch or whatever. Um... And New Vegas had a really garbage release. Like, it was just, its release build was terrible. And it patched into a good build that had, that got rid of all the bug fixes and technical issues um, that people had been having. Uh, Plus, the DLC was spectacular for that game. It really kind of opened it up and widened it out. Um, But uh, the best I can say about Fallout 4 is that its, its release build is better than New Vegas, right? Which means that it's third of four of the last, you know, the last. Are, are you talking about Bethesda like technical bug years. issues or about like gameplay wise? Kind of both of them. Um, okay, because I so the 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 point where I disagree with you on with with the Skyrim point is that because the gunplay is so much better, right? Like I think it's it's a better game. 
for a more broad audience than Fallout 3, just because you could jump into that game and play it like you're playing Call of Duty and be pretty successful. And I think that that's something that makes it a more broadly appealing game. Um, well, I think the thing about that is that Skyrim was a very broadly appealing game. Like, Skyrim was the big, big breakout hit of 2011, uh, which, you know, it, it, and that's a little bit of a, of a misnomer in a sense, because obviously Bethesda's pretty high profile. Lots of people played Oblivion, lots of people played Fallout 3, lots of people played Fallout Vegas, obviously. Um, but, you know, the sales numbers and just kind of the culture that surrounded Skyrim was really crazy it, it didn't match the culture that surrounded fallout new vegas and fallout 3 had nowhere near as much kind of just like ubiquitous steam um sure. as the as the locomotive that was driving uh skyrim and i think that a lot of that is you know it was it was a game that like someone who played minecraft and that was like their big game they could get into they could get into Skyrim, right? That person wouldn't really necessarily be able to get into Fallout Three or New Vegas, but Skyrim was their shit because Skyrim, you know, like I think a lot of this has art design for Skyrim, right? It kind of had that. I'm gonna paint a picture. I'm gonna it, it, like it, it was just visually beautiful, and the and the aesthetic was super super toned. Um, Whereas, uh, you know, Oblivion and Fallout 3 were a little bit jarring. I mean, Fallout, I, I think Fallout 4 is just as jarring. There are some absolutely abysmal character models in this game. Uh, and, and lots and lots, too. Yeah, and there, lots, and lots of bad textures. There's rumors that some... So, just for a little insight, the explanation I've seen is that they switched development of this from previous gen to new, to new gen consoles. Um... And because of the way they updated the engine, that a lot of the textures are like either the same quality or even the same exact textures textures from New Vegas. Um, wow. And a lot of the main areas got significant redraws and updates, but a lot of the smaller areas just kind of got touch ups. And so that's why that's why some of the areas don't look nearly as good as, as some. Hey, of the you know, to be completely honest, I buy that one hundred percent because it's pretty jarring. I think uh, just. Like, you know, moving out in in through the general wasteland can be – it looks exactly like Fallout 3 in places. And that's not a good thing, you know, it, especially when you compare how colorful the game has become um, when we look at the cities and towns, obviously, that open up as you get kind of deeper into it. Um, and this is a little bit of what I talk about when I talk about, this, like, the skeleton. I kind of expect – that Bethesda will patch up these things because they kind of have a good track record of doing that. They did a lot of that kind of stuff in Fallout 3 uh, in order to make it just better and more wholesome. And you can really see the, uh, you know, you can see the progression of it in, you know, the DLC extra areas uh, and the the new stuff that got released as part of that. Like, they, it's not like they're unwilling to kind of go back and update stuff. And Skyrim was the exact same way, right? There were a lot of things on launch that probably weren't put in an optimal shape, but, you know, we got we got patches and stuff to fill over the gap, and it, it got to where it needed to be. Um, which is a little bit of what I mean when I talk about the skeleton, right? Like, I think the skeleton of this game is good. It's just kind of like it's falling apart at the seams a little bit. It needs a little bit more touching up. Um, and, and fleshing out to really, to like really, really get there and really, really be great. Uh, though, unfortunately I'm not really sure I'll ever be able to give it like 
hardcore greatness status. Um, no, I don't know. I, I disagree. I think this game is is amazing. I think that the parts like there are parts where this game looks beautiful. I think I think like in particular if your own character model and your wife's character model look great. I think that um some of the characters I guess we'll get into this a little bit later past the spoiler warning look phenomenal. Um and I think like things like um I don't think this like the Diamond City's been in the previews and in the trailer so I don't think it's the spoiler to talk about Diamond City but um there's a point where you can go up and kind of look over Diamond City, and that is one of the coolest looking things I've seen in a video game to date. Um, and I just think that, that that's pretty phenomenal, and I think that that kind of makes up for the the less good places. So, the, well, I, I guess I'm kind of jumping ship a little bit. Uh, the thing that keeps Fallout 4 from greatness in my mind isn't technical shit. Right. Honestly, technical shit doesn't bug me on a personal level. It just kind of bugs me on a theoretical level, right? When I'm thinking sure. as an as an objective critic, I have I, I weigh this stuff a lot heavier than when I do personally. Because personally I don't really care that, you know, my companions clip through the terrain all the fucking time. I don't really care all that much that, you know, some of the character models are super janky or whatever, because the it, it I this is so my type of game that I'm more than willing to look past that stuff in order to, to make it work kind of a thing. Um, sure. But uh, the, the core thing that really bugs the fuck out of me and really kind of the rot at the heart of a lot of what I don't like about Fallout 4 comes down to the dialogue system that we talked about last week. Uh, yeah, and I was gonna all ask you about of my fears, particular. dude, all of my fears came to, came true. Not even that. And, and, and I actually kind of appreciate Fallout 4 because it's really allowed me to articulate exactly how I feel about this kind of stuff, but just like, ah, oh, that dialogue system is such a shitty idea and it has been so poorly implemented and it has been, I really, really like weep for what could have been if they had just kind of stuck to their guns and done what, what we expected of them, right? What worked in New Vegas, what worked in Fallout 3, what worked in Skyrim, and, and you know, whoever came up with this idea to have voice actors and this dialogue wheel, like, you know, main character voice actors in this dialogue wheel, um, was just not listened so to. So, why don't you tell me exactly what what bothers you? And I, because I've got some opinions on this too. Um, and tell me exactly what bothers you about it, because I'm, I'm curious now. Okay, so... Last week, when we talked about this, we obviously addressed that uh, the dialogue wheel is very similar to the Bioware system. And I think at this point, we can kind of safely say that as far as single-player RPG experiences go, you know, Bioware and Bethesda are like the big Western RPG powerhouses, right? Sure. But the thing is, and I identified this last week, by the way, Bioware runs on a – do you know what a content muncher is? No, I do not. Okay, so a content muncher is, like, a really shitty term that got tossed around a lot in, like, the mid-2000s about game design. A content muncher is used to describe those kinds of games that's, like, gameplay, 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 cutscene, gameplay, 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 cutscene. And it gets to end, like, a content muncher is when one or the other is so tedious that it feels like, you know, that it it's, it's like trying to watch a movie on YouTube over a bad connection. You know, every every 30 seconds, you have to do another 30 seconds of buffering, and it's just super frustrating kind so, of thing. So the part you want to do is interrupted, but, like, one of the two gameplay or cutscene are interrupted by things that you don't want to do. Right, exactly. Bioware 
is an example of where something could be a content muncher, but it tends to be well done, right? Because Bioware games have that pattern. They, do, you know, it's it's gameplay, 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 cutscene, gameplay, 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 cutscene, or you know, cutscene, 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 gameplay, cutscene, cutscene. What, however, you want to kind of cadence that out for yourselves, right? But fundamentally speaking, what happens in a Bioware game is you have tuned gameplay right like well-tuned gameplay that's built on all of these rpg mechanics that get you into the next story section that is so well written and you know so emotionally kind of engrossing that it carries you to the next gameplay section and you just kind of leapfrog back and forth and if the game is paced well which you know most of these bioware games are um if this game is paced well you never spend too much time you know like you don't really you don't go too far into the gameplay side or too far into the story side without kind of refreshing with the other one right that's the good game pacing of the the bioware games bethesda the core loop of bethesda is like the exact it's not the exact opposite, it's just very different. Because the core loop of Bethesda is, you know, here's a random quest that's really far away, and you're going to go and you're going to explore all these little tidbits in between, right? And the, 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 core, the core gameplay is, I want to get caps to upgrade my weapons, so I go do this exploration, and I loot all of these bodies, and then I, and then I put it back in my stuff. But then I want to go do a quest in order to, like, upgrade, you know, in order to get the experience I need to reach level whatever kind of thing. So, you know, you start, you start quest, and that's, that's, this is the, the gameplay loop, this exploratory loop, um, one of those, the Bioware model is built entirely on characters and story, right? And the Bethesda model is built entirely on uh, atmosphere and world building, right? And the Bioware, first of all, the Bioware dialogue wheel is just fundamentally a better implementation of this mechanic, right? But the, the Bioware dialogue wheel makes more sense for a game that's focused on story and for a game that's focused on character, right? Because the dialogue wheel, it, 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 you don't need to spend as much time and you don't need to worry as much about the kind of like more information stuff, right? And you can voice act the player character because the, the player is built to adopt these characters rather than create them from the ground up as they are in like we were talking about the Tabula Rasa version, which is this, these Bethesda games. And the Bethesda games, their, you know, their dialogue system needs lots and lots of trees and options because the world building requires a ton of exposition, right? So you need to spend a lot of time, you know, getting people to explain stuff to the player so that they understand, you know, this is what this faction is and this is what they do. And this is the history of this specific, you know, town. And this is the history of the specific character, right? All of that kind of stuff is the immersion stuff that gets you and, and, and you know, plunges you into the, into the river of this game, right? And Bethesda adopting the dialogue wheel system, which is built for good characters and good story, not, you know, hardcore world-building immersion and exposition, um, they're just doing themselves a disservice, right? They're already kind of kneecapping themselves a little bit. And then on top of that, their dialogue wheel is so poorly implemented, right? So here's some things, you know, I think I think it's true that the dialogue wheel in Bioware games can be can be called simple, right? But I also think that it's a deep mechanic and and that brings a certain elegance to it, right? Like on the Bioware dialogue wheel, all of the right side options, first of all, you have six options instead of four, right? Not all of them are. And, and a lot of them branch too, unlike Yeah, yeah, the right. Fall, the fall, uh, just to be clear out here. Fallout 4, a lot of the options, one you can't go back from and two 
don't really branch. And and I think to kind of highlight your point, there's a lot of times when like three of the four options are saying the same thing, but one's posed in the form of a question, one's direct, and one's sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Like literally, this is, it says and th- and th- sarcastic. Yeah, and that's the that's like the core of what this comes down to. Because in the Bioware game, you know, all of the right side options are how you move your story forward, right? Top being Paragon, bottom being Renegade, middle one being neutral or funny or you know whatever, or, or depending one on of, the game. One kind of, of second option that's listed. Exactly, and then the left side is typically more information, right? So if you just want to truck through the story, you just keep hitting right side, right side, right side. But if you want to fully explore everything, you get all of these branching nodes that pop out on the left side. Um, that you know, it, it it they ask all of the questions that you're thinking about in the first place, right? Like, oh, who is this person? What are they doing? And all that stuff. And it, But it's still treated like the conversation that you want it and expect it to be because the point of these Bioware games is, you know, you want your character to be talking to another character almost in a movie sense because that character isn't something, you know, that you're making up for yourself in your head. Conversely, what's happened in Fallout 4 is this dialogue wheel always has four options, right? The four options do kind of mesh. You know, the top one is generally a question. The left one is generally sarcastic. The bottom one is nice guy. The right one is mean guy or whatever. But there's so rarely a more info opportunity. Almost everything you ever say will move the conversation forward. And you can't even do things like back out of the conversation and try and start it over in order to get like a different, like, because half of, most of the time, the responses that you're getting are fucking cookie cutter anyway, right? It's not like they're bringing any more information to the table. And so in this world that so desperately needs the exposition and the world building in order to keep itself good and immersive and, you know what I mean? Like, this is the, this is the pinnacle of what bioware need to be achieving their dialogue system undercuts or sorry bethesda is looking to achieve right their dialogue system is undercutting them every step of the way you know it's one of those things where you don't even have to compare it to a bioware game to see where it could have been better you can just compare it to fallout new vegas because fallout new vegas was character focused it was story focused there was so much story in that game But you still needed all of the exposition so that, you know, when... these I guess these are New Vegas spoilers. Somebody's going to care about this. So that when you find out that, you know, Arcade Ganon, who's one of the characters in Fallout in New Vegas, is secretly, um, you know, an ex-member of the Enclave or whatever, right? There's, there's, you can dig into that backstory and find out why and what goes on with him and why he made the decisions he did because you have all of these extra options to go to and, and flow throughout, right? Um, and it's, ah. God, it is so frustrating. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, and you might disagree with me here, but I just think the voice acting is not good, right? You, people, people can get on certain Bioware actors for certain performances, right? Like Hawk wasn't necessarily super memorable. I don't know the guy that voiced, you know, the Inquisitor in Inquisition, even though I thought he did a great job, obviously. In fact, I think there were multiple, obviously, actors for the Inquisitor, depending on your race and other things. Um, but nobody can doubt that, like, Mark Mir made, he was the voice actor for Commander Shepard. He made Commander Shepard, right? You know, it wasn't just, he, he had all of the proper, it it was just, it, it was a good performance, right? 
even outside of the fact that he had all of these completely disparate lines, he was able to keep that character tonally consistent for you, no matter what you were choosing, right? It always kind of made sense because that's just him being a good voice actor. And whoever this voice actor is for the main guy in Fallout 4, I'm only playing the dude, maybe the chick is better, obviously, he's just bland and unmemorable because the character is supposed to be Tabula Rasa. But when you voice act the Tabula Rasa character like that, all you're doing is creating a blank, flat, shitty, one-dimensional performance that's either super jarring because he, it's so inconsistent when he switches from sarcastic to, you know, to the nice guy, um, or it's it's just, it's bad. See, I, it's I, just I, bad. I, I kind of disagree with you. I don't, I don't have a problem with the way that the main character's voice acted. In fact, I have kind of... I want to say the opposite problem, maybe, which is that I think this game, more than any other Fallout game I've played, has kind of drawn me into the main story. Any Bethesda game, right? Every Bethesda game, I always end up abandoning the main quest, like, three quests in and just fucking around and doing shit until I get, until I, you know, I've spent 50 hours and bored of the game. This is the first game that I've really been driven to follow the, the storyline. I feel the storyline is interesting enough that I care and I follow it. Um, that is kind of interesting. Yeah, and I think part of my problem with it, though, is that, um, you know, maybe he maybe the, the voice actor isn't the best performance I've ever had, heard out of anybody, but I don't think it's bad. But the problem is, is that it's so unvaried. Like, even if you're being mean or sarcastic or nice or... I don't know what the, the top option is. It's like inquisitive. It's like incapable of making us upset. It's always asking the question that you don't want asked, right? Like, it's not even asking the question. Like, My problem with it is, is not asking the question that I don't want asked. It's like saying yes, but in the form of a question, right? It's like the inquisitive version of the nice guy option. But like it's all leads in kind of the same direction, right? Like there's, there's not a real actual diversity in choice. And yeah. so – I don't really feel like I think I'm going to ever want to do a second playthrough of the main quest. Or if I do, it's only going to be just to, like, explore the different co combat. It's going to be something I suffer through, not something that I feel like I'll be able to make more meaningful decisions halfway through it. I definitely, wholeheartedly, 100%, uh, you know, agree with everything you just said. The, well, so, here's the thing. I, I do think that this main quest has been a little bit more engrossing. Um, but, honestly, I don't think it's better... See, because here's, here's the other thing, and and maybe I'm not, you know, into the quests enough in order to really, like, get to where I want, but everyone in this game feels really, like, one-note-y, right? And this is actually pre pretty par for the course when it comes to Bethesda games, because these Bethesda games aren't built around, you know, hanging out with this character for the entirety of the game, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, not, it's not like Mass Effect, where getting to know Garrus and Tali is a really engaging part of the gameplay, right? That stuff just has never been part of the Fallout, um, you know, the Fallout, the, the Bethesda-developed Fallout games, or even, you know, Skyrim and Oblivion weren't really this way. That, actually, Oblivion was a little bit different, but I'll get to that. Um, 
all of the all of the characters so far just feel like one note and that makes sense when you need to like when characters are moving through or when players are moving through locations really quickly right and you're moving from rivet city to this other place to this other place to this other place having kind of super personality one note characters makes sense because they punctuate things but you don't actually spend enough time with them to realize that they're all just kind of that's it. That's it. That's all they do. But it just, it feels like most of the characters I've met so far have really not a lot of depth or personality or character besides, you know, when you initially meet them, uh, with a couple of exceptions that we'll talk about in the spoiler section. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, I, I'm playing a lone wanderer build, so I don't really talk to a lot of, like, I just get what I see in the story from the campaigns, but there's some of them that seem like they are they're pretty good, but we'll, we'll like like you said, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating for me because New Vegas was actually great at this. I mean, like I talked about with Arcade Ganon, right? All of the companions in New Vegas had super fleshed out, you know, backstories and things they liked and didn't like, and these personalities that were you know deep and meaningful and complex. And they all, you know, like Cassidy starts out as you know just some a regular drunk or whatever, but then you find out that she was. You know, she was leading a caravan company that got destroyed and put out of business by, you know, I, I the Crimson Caravan Company. Um, and she, you know, she harbors a lot of guilt for that, right? That's, that's a meaty character that I can really dig, I can sink my teeth into her. And I feel for that kind of. Um, but I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of the characters in Fallout 4 just don't have that depth. Uh, and maybe this is a yet thing they don't have that depth yet because i haven't completed it or anything like that um but i don't know it's a lot of, it's it's frustrating especially because bethesda has proven that they can do this the the gray fox quests in oblivion you know it really fleshed out that guy and he became a really interesting you know character that you got a lot out of the same thing with martin septin you know i really loved playing the main quest in oblivion simply because seeing kind of the weight of responsibility on martin septin's shoulders was pretty well done it's some of the best writing that you know mediocre writers at bethesda have done um same thing is true for certain characters in skyrim i thought ulfric stormcloak and general tullius and a lot of those kinds of characters were well written a lot of the faction quests um except for the mages guild which was balls and bullshit and i think we can all agree that that was underserved um were you know they were well done <laughs> I, I i haven't seen that yet in fallout 4 um, and it's, is obviously accentuated because I'm so frustrated with the dialogue system in general, but, uh, I'm wondering if I'm going to get to that point, you know, like I'm wondering if everybody in this game is just kind of like half written almost. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Um, part of this for me is like, I don't know, like I said, I have kind of habitually ignored the story in Oblivion. And Skyrim and Fallout 3. And um, when it wasn't as easy to do that in New Vegas, my interest kind of fell off uh, in New Vegas. And so I kind of expected that. I expected kind of the story to be in these kind of snippets and these kind of like environmental tales, which I do think the game still does very well. Like, one of the coolest things for me was um, there's, uh, uh, this probably gets into spoiler territory. Um, do we want to switch into spoiler mode? 
Uh, I want to say one one more thing for people who are. I, I want to say a couple more things for people who are prospectively buying the game. Um, my last piece of you know my last gripe really with the dialogue system, and I swear to God I'm off because I've been ranting about this for like twenty fucking minutes. Hey, it's it, it, <laughs> no, it's, it's legitimate, right? Like I yeah. like I don't hate it as much as you do, but I do think there are problems there. Yeah. I mean, I, I th- just like you're a lot more sensitive to the gunplay, obviously. I think I'm a lot more sensitive to this stuff, uh, especially because, I mean, they're borrowing the dialogue system from my favorite game ever. You know what I mean? And they're doing it so wrong. Anyway, the last thing that really, really, really bugs me here is the factions. Um, I'm not going to get into, you know, who the factions are, or what they are, but just as, as a, you know, there are a couple of factions in the game. And, you know, allying with them and understanding what they're about and getting, you know, getting kind of up to speed on whether or not you want to join them has really been mishandled. And I think a lot of that can be pinned right back to this dialogue tree because you don't have the options to find out the information that you want to find out before you, you know, progress further with these factions. One of the things that made New Vegas a slog right in the beginning is they spent a lot of time introducing you to the ups of the NCR, the downs of the NCR. You know, they introduced you to Kaisar's Legion being terrible, but also kind of, you know, showed you why people joined Kaisar's Legion, right? Like why Kaisar, uh, Kaisar's Legion was the force that it was, um, even things like Mr. House, uh, all of the minor factions like the Brotherhood of Steel, like the Great Cons, you know, everybody in between, uh, you know, moving, all those moving pieces, they put a lot of time and effort into making sure you had a full and complete understanding of these factions uh, early on into the game, right? Fallout 4 has done the opposite of that. There is next to no information about this stuff, even in halfway through some of these quest lines. I don't know what these guys stand for. I don't know what they're about. I don't know why I should, you know, consider joining or not joining. Um, And that's just, it's a really frustrating, it's just a really frustrating thing for me. Especially because, you know, Bethesda has done this pretty well with the Stormcloaks and the Empire, right? I don't think anybody who played Skyrim was like, oh, I have no idea what's going on with these crazy old Stormcloaks. If you walk into Windhelm and you tell Ulfric Stormcloak that you want to become part of his rebel army, you know exactly why. And you make that choice consciously, right? I don't think anybody gets blindsided the way that I've been blindsided by the factions in uh, in Fallout 4. And that's a big, uh, that's a big falling point. All right. So, so right, right before we move into the spoiler section, because this, this I'll actually move really well into it is that I think part of it is that a lot of the information is in where a lot of the, the lore from both the fallout and the, uh, and the, the, the elder scrolls universe comes from is from like environmental details and books and notes and terminal messages. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to miss. And I by no means think that it's the best way to handle plot relevant information like faction information. But I do think a lot of the information is there. It's just sometimes you have to look for it. Um, and I think I think that they do still do that kind of environmental storytelling really well. I think well that that has always been a good you know like that for for Bethesda that's always been really well done. Um, but when I compare it kind of to the, 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 in a way this game feels like a spiritual successor to New Vegas because it's clear that the faction interplay has a lot to do with the main storyline, right? The faction interplay didn't have that all that much to do with. The, the main story didn't really care all that much if you sided with the Raiders and Paradise Falls and, you know, Fallout 3 or anything like that. Um, <laughs> and I think that, uh, 
you know, you can draw a lot of parallels between what was going on in New Vegas where you were kind of bouncing between, you know, allegiances and breaking those allegiances with these various factions in New Vegas um, and uh, what's happening in Fallout 4. But I think there's one other reason that obviously this hasn't happened, but it is going to be past our spoiler warning. So, I guess... Actually, so, so let's say that. This is your spoiler warning. The rest of the cast is going to contain major spoilers for the plot of Fallout 4. If you don't want to hear spoilers, don't listen anymore. Spoilers! <laughs> spoilers! Uh, just, <laughs> just to be clear, Mango and myself uh, haven't beaten the game, so we're not going to spoil the ending, obviously. Right. We're just going to talk about the specifics of some of the earlier quests that we've gotten. It's only been out for a week, for God's sakes. Uh, even though I do have like 40 hours into the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for, for those following along at home, we are... The point we're going to discuss, Buddy is slightly further ahead of this, I am at this point, is the point in this quest where the, the main quest demands that you visit Good Neighbor. Um, and that is that is the point. So if, if you are not there yet and you wanted to see how far along we are, if you haven't done that yet, you know, spoilers again. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty clear from the get-go uh, that a couple of factions are movers and shakers in the Commonwealth. And they're kind of fighting for your attention, right? The four that I think most people have identified, and there may be more deeper into the story, but I kind of haven't seen any clues from them yet, are, um, you know, the Brotherhood of Steel. We've seen them plenty before. Uh, this time they're a little bit more, they're, they're back to their roots a little bit, and a little bit more focused on uh, the, the technology salvaging that we saw in Fallouts 1, 2 in New Vegas, rather than the just generally being nice guys that we saw in Fallout yeah. 3. They, they're explicit in, just to be clear, in 1, 2, I'm not sure about New Vegas, but in 1 and 2, they were not so much nice guys as, as people obsessed with controlling technology. Yeah, and that's what they were in New Vegas as well. In okay. fact, they were, they, well, because I think they lose the war against the NCR in Fallout 2. I, I, I'm a little hazy on the details of the um, of the of the main storyline, but uh, I'm pretty sure that has something to, you know, that's where like that's where the NCR comes from, uh, and the reason that the Brotherhood is so marginalized in New Vegas. Um, the second faction are the Minutemen, who you meet right out of the gate, and it's pretty clear that these guys are just, uh, the, you know, they're, they're a militia, right? They're a militia of just settlers and wastelanders and scavengers who just want to help each other out and survive in the wasteland. Then you have uh, the Institute, which is all it previously previously established in Fallout Three. Super, super secretive, super, super sciency tech guys. At the point of the story, I haven't even met the Institute uh, yet that I'm at, uh, even though they're clearly a major player when it comes to these factions because everybody's talking about them constantly. I mean, te technically Kellogg is working for the Institute. Yeah, I guess, that's, I guess that's yeah, true. But yeah, but that's, that's not important anyway. Continuing on. Um, and um, the last one is the Railroad, who you also meet in Fallout 3, who are the, you know, these are the people that are setting free Institute synths, uh, synthetic humans that are, you know, trying to escape the Commonwealth or whatever. The super secretive nature of those last two is a big part of this, right? I, I don't know anything about the Institute and what the Institute's goals and shit are because explicitly by the storyline, explicitly by the lore, explicitly by the environment, right? I'm not supposed to. They're supposed to be really secretive. And I do respect that to a certain amount. Um, but it puts you in a really awkward position. I'm in this position currently, actually, because you can, you can progress 
some of the faction quests really far without ever meeting the the institute and so now i'm worried you know do i go further with the minutemen do i go further with the brotherhood of steel at what point am i going to you know hit a point of no return and up you know hey i can't do anything with the institute now because i'm forever flagged as a brotherhood of steel member right kind of thing or uh (laughs) you know the opposite I can't do anything with the railroad because, you know, I'm forever flagged as an institute person. The, we, we we don't see these guys a, enough early on, and the factions don't open up simultaneously, so it's, it's like, impossible to make any real decisions about where I want to go. Um, one of our other friends who is further along has told me that, you know, the Minutemen don't really, like, you can play being a Minuteman along with the, any of the other factions. There's no indication of that. So this kind of fear that, like, you're going to be stuck, I think it's valid, but it might not actually be a reasonable, like, like, like not, it's a, it's a reasonable fear, but it might not actually be a fear you have to worry about, which, you know, is something maybe, I, I, don't, I don't even know how you disseminate that, right? Like, it's just something we assume because that's the way that factions generally work in games. Yeah, and it, it's just, I, I don't know, it's, this is all impossible to parse, and it feels very frustrating, right? And even for the factions that we do have, they run into the, the problem I was describing earlier. I don't know anything about the Brotherhood of Steel. Nobody wants to explain shit to me because I have this shitty fucking dialogue tree to work through. The other big, the, like, this is kind of one of the other things that kind of keeps this game from greatness as far as I'm concerned. Um, a lot of these faction quests are ridiculously grindy. There's a lot of grinding in this game, um, which is really rare for Bethesda games. It's I, it's incredible that I'm saying this out loud. Uh, there's a lot of things that are like, oh, here are some your random settlers, and oh, yeah, they they have their raiders that they want you to take care of, and it just feels so ancillary and not you know interesting or kind of unique at all, which is so weird because. Fallout 3, uh, Oblivion, and for the most part, Skyrim, they all kind of get into that. For the most part, Skyrim didn't fall into that trap. Every area was unique, and it had its own reasons for existing and being there. And that was super clear on the page, I think. I think that's what kind of what's happened here. In a weird way, is like... is I don't think there's any more of it than there is typically. It's just that in previous games... You wouldn't get a quest to clear out the raiders. You'd walk along and you'd find them and you'd have to kill them. And there wouldn't be a quest associated with it. I also think I also think other games did a really good job of hiding that shit for you, right? In Skyrim, there were dozens of dungeons that had nothing to do with anything, right? But the only reason that you did those dungeons is because you got a little piece of paper from your mysterious friend who said that there was a dragon... You know, that there was a dragon word written in that dungeon somewhere, right? There was a word of power in that dungeon. I cleared out so many dungeons just for that dragon word, right? And it was such a great, it was such a great system, such a great reward structure for this phenomenon, right? It never felt grindy because every time I was getting a unique, a guaranteed, uh, you know, unique benefit at the end of it. I was getting, you know, this extra dragon thing on top of all of the stuff that I normally expected. And that kind of thing just isn't true for Fallout So uh, I, I, 4. I, I think what I'm going to say here is that, like, you know, that's definitely true for the for the things that had dragon words in them. But I don't think that was actually true for a lot. Like, there are a lot of dungeons in Skyrim that felt like they were just dead Volcar, whatever the name of the dead Nords were that that came up and hit you, or it Draugr. was 
Yeah. yeah, Draugr. Or that, you know, it was it was a a dwarven hideaway and it was, you know, it was neat because it was dwarven, but that's all it really was. There wasn't a lot in there. Um and it didn't feel it didn't feel grindy because you kind of saw it and you decided I want to do this because I want to do this. And it felt okay because of that. Not because of any reward structure, not because it's just because, like, that was part of what you expected in the game. I think the problem is, paradoxically, is because you're being asked to do it, it feels, uh, like, mandatory, and it doesn't feel like you're choosing to do it because you want to. It feels like the game is telling you to do it. It is actually pretty clearly mandatory because certain things in these faction quests, along with other stuff, just other random quests, are gated by this crap, right? Where it's like, oh, well, you can't get to the next Minuteman quest because you have to go... Do it's, I, I, it seems like they're just random, like they just pick a random point on the map and they're like, Go do something here, please. And, and, like, and it might be, but my but my point is simply that I think there's about as much in this game as there are in any uh, as there isn't any other Bethesda game, it's just being fed to you through the through this quest line sliver, and it makes you kind of what's what's it makes you kind of resentful that you're being asked to do it rather than organically going through it, even though. On, if, if you were to like, look at it from a thousand point view, there's really not all that much different. In fact, you know, you're actually getting some like, uh, you know, definitive hard thing that you can do with it. Um, and you're getting some like tangible reward that you know you're going to get every time. It's just that because you have to do it as a quest rather than as part of your own exploratory kind of drive, um, it, feels, it feels unnatural and grindy. Well, I think it's, I, I mean, realistically, I think it's a combination of the two, right? At the end of the day, if we were to count out, I agree with you that the number would be the about be about the same, right? But because in Skyrim and in other Bethesda games, this stuff was hidden under, you know, a couple, you know, not all of them, but some of them were hidden under this reward structure that felt, you know, that felt better than the opposite, the exact opposite taking place, right? Where... You were, it wasn't, you were being rewarded for going out of your way to do this thing, right? Or, uh, you know, kind of tipped off that there's this extra thing in it for you or whatever. Uh, it's you're being penalized. You can't do what you want to do yeah, until you do this shitty grindy thing. Um, ah, which it's like, it's like, a. I don't know. I it's that. one of those things where I really do like these. I, I really do like these faction quests, and I want to go deep into the faction quests. Uh, but I feel like every time I try to, I've got it's so it's so hard to commit to that um but anyway uh the one thing i do i do want to get off of my giant negative rant because i basically exhausted my big negativity for the game um <coughs> what are what you we were talking about you know companions and characters past uh past the spoiler that you want to talk about who specifically did uh, i love did nick valentine i love really nick valentine. interesting yeah i think so um you know Nick Valentine being a synth was a total surprise to me. It was delightful. I love how, like, noir he is. Like, I love how, like, he's like, yeah, I'm a synth, but I don't really understand it either. Go figure. And, like, I just, I I think that he's, I know, I think he looks great. I think he, like, I just feel like he's got so much character in him. It's just kind of, like, not something that was completely out of the field that I wasn't expecting. Um, and it just feels so good. I love Nick Valentine. Like, he's, he's easily my favorite character that I've run across so far. Um, or main character, at least. Maybe, maybe Travis is, 
is a little bit better. I um, think we both have a specific place in our heart for Travis. Oh, have you, have, have you done guy. the Travis quest line yet? No, I haven't done anything so, with Travis yet. If you, if you, so if you go into the dugout, which is one of the inns in Diamond City, and you talk to one of the, some of the Russian brothers that runs the uh, that that run the dugout, which uh, you know they're they're very Russian. One of them is like, "We should kill Travis," and you're like, "What?" And he's like, "He's like, no, just kidding. We need to make him confident." And then you go through a whole thing with him. It's so it's 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 pretty good. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, and then it also led to one of my other favorite things, is which this capstone mission, you have to, as in many things in Fallout, is you have to go kill some raiders. Um, and it's what it's it's a raider. It's, it's got some named raiders. You can tell when you've hit one of the bigger enemies in an area because they have a name instead of being Raider Scavenger or Raider Martyr or Raider Scum. Um, and you go to his terminal and... Uh, in Corvega, you kill the one, the, this guy called like Jason, I think, or Jared, Jared, Jared. And so you go to this guy's terminal and you open it and it says, yeah, so, uh, somebody took out Jared. We're going to have to prepare ourselves type of deal. Like you can see the things that you did kind of reflected in some of these other groups. And even though it's not like super big in the story, it's just like kind of neat to me, right? There's this live stuff happening in the world, even if it's not. Even if it's just like a line in a terminal, I still think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like Nick Valentine. Well, so I like Nick Valentine, but I actually do think he falls into this kind of problem that I was talking about, like these one-note characters. You know, I've adventured with Nick Valentine a lot, and I've done, you know, a substantial amount of the main story. And I really don't get – well, I I get a little bit of the sense that there's kind of more to come from him. But uh, he's all personality, right? Like, the thing that makes Nick Valentine great is just his personality is super engaging. The character that I find the most uh, interesting so far has been Piper. First of all, I don't know who that voice actress is, but she's spectacular. Secondly, I don't know who did those animations, but they're spectacular. Um, and third of all, she, she has really great kind of companion lines. Just little things that she'll say and it, they really hint at... They just really hint at something deeper that I really want to dig into. A lot like what happened with me in Fallout New Vegas where, you know, I wanted to dig into Boone's backstory or Cassidy's backstory or Arcade's backstory. Um, I want to do that with Piper so fucking badly because she'll say that, you know, like... You want to dig into her backstory, eh? (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, it's funny. Maybe Maybe that's a possibility. You could just, like, marry random people in Skyrim. Um, apparently, so, by word of God, I don't, I haven't done any of this because I don't use any of the companions because I'm the lone wanderer and my, my pain is my own to carry. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I think, I think you're able to romance any of the companions, um, except for maybe dog meat. Oof. <laughs> well, I guess I wouldn't romance dog meat. Dog meat and I have a ridiculous romance. I adventured for the first Maybe uh, 20, 25 hours of the game, because I didn't really get to Diamond City until all that you know, later in my playthrough uh, to unlock some of these other people with dog meat. And he has just been such a trooper. Did you know, by the way, that the Lone Wanderer perk doesn't count dog meat? I did, still adventure. I did know that. Yeah. But uh, I don't want to. I'm, 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 I'm a Lone Wanderer. I don't have dogs. You know, I, I, I just kind of. 
in reality, it's because I'm always afraid that, like, I'm going to be setting up for this perfect sniper shot, and the dogs could be like, and go attack something. He's pretty good about that. A lot of the other companions are shit. Oh, man. No, I definitely... So, one of the things I definitely want to do is... Oh, like I said, I'm playing a stealth sniper lone wanderer build. A little bit down the line, at some point, I want to pull out, like, a melee, just face hit build, and go with some companions and and really explore that stuff. Um, Where I don't have to worry about being subtle at all yeah um so i know that you didn't get into minuteman stuff uh yes what what was what was why why um so i like you i was afraid that becoming the leader of the minutemen was going to lock me out of other faction options so i was like i i kind of like knew like you know at, at the moment that Preston Gravy was Preston Garvey, rather people on the internet have been calling him Preston Gravy, and I think it's amusing. Um, yeah, I think it's amusing too. That adds more character to him than he just has <laughs> in the first place. He well, because he's another companion that you can unlock, right? If right. You join, if you join the Minutemen, he becomes one of your companions. He's just like, who the fuck cares? Who the fuck is this guy? God, it's like Preston Gravy, <sighs> last of the Minutemen. Um, but uh, he, like, when he asked me if I would lead the Minutemen, I'm like. Well, kind of not focused on this right now. I'm kind of really interested in the Sun story. And when it's a yes or a no, and I'm not sure if this is going to lock me out of other options, I'm going to say no. Because um, there is there is something that has been previewed that I have not hit yet. I think it's either the Railroad or it's, or it's another minor faction that I know I'm going to be really interested in that I haven't hit yet. So I, I'm kind of keeping holding back on that. Not because I particularly dislike the Minutemen, but I also didn't feel like the Minutemen were particularly compelling. Right, like I think that's I, I mean I think this is just another problem that comes back to how uninformed we are about them. They they actually suggest to this kind of like crazy backstory to the Minutemen that I really wanted to fucking know about, but nobody will tell me about it. And it's yeah. like, oh god, just get your shit together. Um, um so so actually uh, or I wanted to say a couple things actually specifically about the dialogue wheel. Um I know I, I probably should have said this earlier, but like some things that like some little things that annoy me about about the voice acting and the dialogue wheel are one the first time I unlocked a terminal or a safe and he said oh yeah that was neat the three hundred and seventy second time that he's been like oh yes that's the ticket I'm like shut the fuck up like I just I just, I just don't want to hear you talk about I I, I don't care right like like you know I I wouldn't say like you know this is actually part of your tabula rasa thing right like I would not say every time. I opened it up like, that's the stuff or whatever the fuck he says. Um, but one other thing that bothers me is um, I have heard from other people. I have, I'm not playing low intelligence, but they've removed low intelligence speech options. Um, and that in kind of a very Fallout 3 way, there has been nothing that I've seen that has been – that seems to be at least overtly influenced by anything other than my charisma skill um, in terms of like the, the – you know, the, the, the failable – or succeedable dialogue options. Yep, and I feel like that's 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 a big minus in my book. I think so too. Uh, honestly, I think and this is getting a little bit into the perks, which I do think are overall pretty well designed, even though there's some problems in there. Um, I think this is just due to the fact that there aren't skills uh, anymore, and so without without skills, you really have and without skills, and when you're making all of the special stats equal. You really have to find a way to like boost charisma's power, I think, because otherwise it's just not. I, I, I feel like it's just not a compelling uh, stat to go deep in. I'm honestly a little I mean, bit sad the, that I went as deep stuff. as I did. 
Yeah, that's true. I, I, I did really do that. And I have been into the settlement, though. The settlement stuff has been bugging me more and more as I... As I uncover more and more of the settlement system, I am bugged more and more by it. Because it's pretty clear to me that, like... It feels very half-assed, almost. And so, at first, I was super engaged with it. I, mean, I went nuts for it. I spent, like, hours, you know, digging through and scrapping all of this stuff and everything. But, you know, now it just it's starting to feel really tedious. And there's a lot of just, like, pain points in, you know, in the interface, in how you keep track of some of these things. Um, I've pretty efficiently broken the game at this point, where I can just generate infinite caps uh, through my settlements for free. Uh uh, that stuff has really that stuff has really kind of tanked a lot of my opinion about how the game has worked because uh, even though in Skyrim and in Fallout Three and in Fallout New well Fallout New Vegas was the best of these but um, in in Skyrim and Fallout Three at least you get to a point where kind of money is no issue right you just sure. kind of make enough of it and you have enough of it and you've spent what you need to spend on your gear and it's just it's it's in the spot that it needs to be in kind of thing. Um, and, uh, I, I, there, even though I, I got to those points in those other games, I haven't technically gotten to that point in this game. It just, it bugs me that I've already figured out, you know, I'm level 20 or whatever. I've already figured out how to generate infinite caps. If all I do is sit in my bed and sleep over and over and over again, and then, you know, go and loot, you you have to get the stores in order to do so. Um, and, uh. That's actually not even true. What am I even talking about? You just do it by selling the purified water that you generate, which is something that I've been doing. Uh, it's frustrating. I hate that. I think it's bad design. So, Bethesda games, I don't know, like, not, not to excuse it, but Bethesda games are always kind of like that, where, like, if you really push the systems at the seams, you can break something and make the game trivial, and it's kind of up to you in some ways to not not break this like you know like it's it's like 100% camo armor in in uh oblivion um or you could run around stealthed and, and never be detected um but that made the game boring and i don't i don't know i don't know how i feel like i kind of appreciate that like i don't know i i, I feel like that's something that it's something that i expected and so i wasn't as hurt by it when I found out it could happen type of deal. Um, even if it, it's not something I expect, it's just kind of in an absolute vacuum. I just sure. feel like it's bad game design, right? It was bad game design when I could do it in Fable 3. Uh, it, it's bad game design when I could do it in Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood, right? It's bad game design when I can do it here. Uh, also, to be honest, I kind of think that the same thing is true, you know. It, it's one of those things where... To be honest, I kind of think Bethesda gets away with a lot of stuff just because of, like, how ridiculously engrossing their games are. It's kind of like Civilization, right? Civilization gets away with the fact that its difficulty is shit design because everything else is so good about it, right? And it is so addicting in that one more turn kind of thing. It's the same thing with Bethesda games. They're very addicting. They're very engrossing. And the stuff that they do right, they do really right. But uh, I do think, obviously, 100% camo armor is fucking bullshit, right? And uh, they should... They should put in fail-safes for that kind of stuff. They should put in fail-safes for the stuff where I make five industrial water filters in Sanctuary Hills and sleep for two days and get 99 purified water and then go sell it for a thousand caps, right? Like, 
Yeah, it's just, I, it, come on, come on. Yeah, you're better than that. Like, you know, I, I, I just, it's frustrating. Um, though I have to say, I do think you know, I think the core mechanics being better than Fallout Three is is. I don't want to. I don't want to understate how how much better the core has gotten in terms of vets. You know, I like that vets is now slow time instead of frozen time. Um, I like the new critical hit system. Uh, I like the affixes on the items. There's a lot. There's a lot to love about. Uh, you know the the changes that they've made. I love the mods on the guns, even though I think that they're unbalanced in a certain sense. So I don't. So like the one of the things that has always been kind of like. Uh, maybe weird's not the right word, but like for Bethesda games, it's always like the the loot's always kind of been meh for the most part, and like all of a sudden now you have like super secret legendary creatures that drop super super nice weapons with legendary affixes on them, and I'm like, wait, I'm I'm, I'm playing Fallout, right? Like not like this, like like did I just load up Diablo and, and, <laughs> and kill a champion pack, like? And I don't know how I feel about it, right? Like, in, on, in one sense, it's, like, much more, like, it's cool to get these new weapons, and it's cool to do this. But on the other hand, why is one of the enemies that I'm that I'm fighting significantly stronger than the rest of them? Significantly stronger than the named character that I kill at the end. Um, and, like, he happens to have a nice thing on him. Like, why... Why is why does that happen, right? Like, uh, yeah. That, 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 that bugs that, that's me. A, that, that's a very... Uh, narrative jarring type of deal. I actually think that, okay, I think it's bad design in a certain sense. I think these affixes are not great overall. Um, And this mostly comes from, I think the customizability of it is important. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I think I would really appreciate like maybe a fifth tier of mods that allow you to do these super kind of specific mods like, oh, I, you know, 15% more damage to humans or I, t- you know, or plus two agility or plus 2%, you know what I mean? Like right or, or now these things that are would just let you pull it off of of the the item right, that you ex- get it from. Yeah. The fact that it's so random is just kind of weird to me because in most other Bethesda games it hasn't been random, right? I mean, in in, in Skyrim there were you know there were some items that were kind of sort of legendary because they had these enchants that you couldn't create, right? Um, but for the most part, you know, Skyrim had a boatload of enchants and they were all really interesting. Uh, those enchants broke the game in certain areas and in certain senses, kind of thing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, yeah, and it's just weird because there there are there are like some story specific like there are you know like there's Grognax X, which is um you know like a specific item that has specific ability and or Kellogg's pistol, um and then there are the random ones that drop of random guys which is like you know like hunting thing of whatever it's like there's fifteen percent more damage to animals guys like. Uh, okay. Yeah, it, it definitely fits with the RPG stuff. Uh, I get it. It in a weird way, it doesn't fit with the gunplay to me. Um, I really don't. Uh, maybe this is just the affixes specifically are poorly designed, but uh, for the vast majority of them, I don't really feel the difference. Uh, most of mine are, you know, most of the stuff I have because I'm pretty. I think there are a couple of different specs people go. My spec is stealth, but I haven't really taken all that many stealth perks. All I have is the 20%, you know, stealth perk. Most of what I've done is mods at this point. Um, 
And uh, I, you know, I just modded out a lot of these guns that I've kind of found and do stuff with. And I don't really feel the difference between them all that much because a lot of the times it's really just crunchy stuff that I don't have a good sense for, right? You know, I don't, I don't see that I take 15% less damage from humans, right? I don't, I don't really perceive that all that much compared uh, see, to... I don't know. With, with the mods and the weapons, I actually feel like I do feel it a lot. Like, you know, like, especially... Some of them are bigger than others, right? Like, when I switched the receiver on my hunting rifle from a three hundred eight receiver to the point five zero. No, receiver. no, no, sorry, I don't mean the mods. The mods, I see a big difference oh, okay. in, right? You, I mean the affixes. The affixes, right? okay. For instance, my, um, you know, my laser rifle builds uh builds crit 15 percent faster and oh the the righteous <sighs> authority yeah the, yeah the righteous authority yeah it builds crit 15 percent faster and it does a bunch more crit damage or whatever but uh it kind of does it when i compare when i compare my laser rifle to my shotgun and how i use the ap on both i really don't feel like i'm gaining all that much more ap when i'm using the righteous authority maybe this is just kind of like a, uh, i'm see, not really I, perceiving so, the difference as so much. so i might agree with you for like nocturnal or like crippling or whatever but specifically for the righteous glory i really feel like i can feel the crit building faster on it um that Fair might, enough yeah I just, that, uh, that, that might be a function of the fact that the, uh, the weapons i typically use in vat vats maybe don't build crit as fast base but I feel like it kind of I, I really feel like it Honestly, really I think the them. whole crit thing is weirdly designed. <laughs> I, I have I have no clue. My sniper rifle, which is a pipe rifle, you know, it's not all that it's not all that good. It does about as much damage as you know some of my other stuff. The only reason I've been carrying around so long is it's the only thing I can it's my only long range thing with a suppressor on it. Um it takes up way more AP than other stuff i there was a there's a time where i had two hunting rifles and one of them did uh two ap and the other one did four but they were you know i i they were the same caliber bullet they were pretty similarly designed it was just one of them was close range one of them was mid-range i i I don't know i don't really understand the kind of mechanics that go into how many ap per bullet gets shot which is a little bit frustrating in a certain sense yeah i definitely feel that um, so I, I definitely kind of want to dig into what do you think of the skill and perk system? Like, I think, but t- for some things, like, I think for lockpicking and hacking, I think the perk system does a better job than the skill system would in general, because the skill system is always going to be, you can do X at 25, you can do Y at 50, you can do Z at 75. Um, and I think the perk system really does a good job in subbing in for that. But for things like, say, rifle shooting, right? Like, I feel like the perks do okay. But uh, but that you could do that maybe even better with a skill system. Yeah, I, I really feel the difference in skill requirements to wield weapons. Um, one of the things that I think was really good design in New Vegas was, you know, you needed a certain strength and uh, a certain, you know, like agility to – like a certain strength – and agility for some some stuff like the antimaterial rifle, which is the most powerful sniper rifle you get. You needed like an eight strength to wield that thing, but you also needed like a six or seven agility. So it's one of those things where, uh, or no, sorry, you needed an eight strength to wield it, but you also needed a hundred small small guns, right? Um, and uh, it's one of those things where those thresholds not being there anymore feels so weird and strange because uh, there have been definitely times when like, you know, I skipped, 
I skipped a lot of meaningful combat between, you know, level 10 and level 15 or so because I just got a combat shotgun pretty early and it just fucking destroyed everything. And I, I, I don't know... That just seems weird because uh, the the skills were a great way to barricade those kinds of that, that sure. kind of oddity. And then I uh, I think I can see like I feel like if they had put in like a perk requirement for using those, maybe the perks would have felt l- empty. Maybe like you no, know, like if if all. Well, you... so the other yeah, so the other half of that though is that the perks. The, the, the perks by their nature kind of equalize everything, which I think is also kind of weird design. One of the nice things, and one of the things I liked about the old skill system is you got kind of runoff, right? I knew eventually, I didn't know this at first, but I knew eventually that, you know, the break points were 25 and 50 or whatever. So I would do this kind of thing where, you know, you raise your whatever to 50 and then you choose where to put that runoff is. And so you kind of get these weird, like, incremental things and sometimes they'll have a big power spike when you you know you get 15 points and all of a sudden oh man i'm within five of these three things and you you get three you know you get three tiers in a row kind of thing i think that kind of runoff system has has uh fucked with the equality of some of this stuff before because it was easy to make you know it was easy to make these skill points thing a lot more granular than it is to make these perks right and it's hard for me to look at you know it seems strange to me that the charisma perk that allows you to pacify animals that are lower level than you is at the same value to me as the perk that unlocks level two weapon mods right like what i i don't know just one of those seems way more valuable oh which which one do you think is more valuable i think the weapon mods is more valuable yeah, i mean i don't i don't know i i i, I think there's an argument for both sides of that like which one is more but like i, I definitely if i specifically disagree about animal pacification and weapon mods i think that is true for other things as well um and I feel like some, I think some of the the perks, I think the the system is is harmed by kind of having to do this uh, compromise kind of thing where a lot of the perks are, like almost all the perks are ranked and that those ranks are kind of like, like, I don't think there's any reason for Mysterious Stranger to have three ranks. Yeah, I feel that. And I understand why it does from, like, an overall game design perspective. I don't see why, like, and, like, the rifle perk has five ranks is clearly there just because if it's not there, then you don't have any way to kind of specialize into a weapon group. And I think that, I like, I don't think it's a bad system, um, but I think that it's kind of, they kind of had to, like, reach this very unhappy medium between the skills and the perk systems where the perks feel less unique and a character defining because they have to kind of be more general and the skills kind of like the, the, the minute kind of adjustability of the skills gets lost in the fact that at best your kind of uh, your, your tuning is, is, is five ranks rather than rather than the hundred that are there. Yeah, I 100% agree with that assessment. In fact, I well, I, I think, I mean, really, I think uh, if you gun to my head, I probably prefer this perk system to the skill point system. Yeah, uh, but it's not it's not as big an improvement as I expected. 
Um, and the, uh, the flaws in it are very apparent to me. Yeah. I would say I like this perk system better than I like the skill system, but I don't think I like this perk system better than the older perk systems. Um, like, I don't feel, like, I oh, don't see a reason huh, to take Lady Killer. Like, I always took Lady Killer. Um, just because it gave me unique dialogue options, and that was always really cool to me, right? And it, it doesn't do that anymore. It just, you, you do more damage to women, and they're easier to persuade. And it's like, and that's, that's again, coming back to this dialogue wheel problem. <laughs> yeah, man, dude. That will, that will always just be, like, the the hole in the hull of this ship that were you know the, everything else you know the the world building and you know some of these character personalities and the aesthetics and the gunplay and everything they're the guys with the buckets just like you know throwing throwing the salt yeah. water out or everything but that hole that is the dialogue system will constantly be sinking this ship until i don't know until the end of time or until they just kind of Plug it enough with other stuff, I suppose. So I think uh, so. I'm gonna I'm going to take a stand here in defense of this dialogue wheel system, not as a system, but as a move by a company to do something new. And while I agree that this system is not great, I think it's got a lot of flaws, as we've discussed quite extensively on this cast. I do appreciate that Bethesda tried to do something different because you know Bethesda's story is kind of legendarily bad, right? Like the best story yep. we've gotten out of a Bethesda game was the one developed by Obsidian. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yep. um, <laughs> so there. I really do appreciate their attempt to do something greater. And I think by a measure of having a better story, I think they've succeeded in that. I think that the, that parts of the game suffer a lot more than, than it improves in the story area for it. But I do appreciate that they tried it. And my sincere hope is, is that they take the lessons they've learned from this and I hope I hope that, you know, I hope that our opinions are widely held. I'm, I actually haven't been checking uh, different forums or reviews for that kind of thing. But I, I hope that this these, the lessons that kind of can get learned here do so that we get a better Fallout Five or Fallout. I don't know what, what, what's another New Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm really hoping that they'll. Uh, I, I think DLC is going to be a big. A big factor here. It's always been a big factor. The old the, uh, Fallout Three had a lot of really core DLC that um, that you know changed stuff up and, and and brought it around in terms of new items, new perks, etc. And I think that that's a big option uh, that I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, I don't know. As as it stands, it it feels a little bit it feels a little bit bare. It feels a little bit underdeveloped. It feels like it almost kind of feels like I'm playing like the final stages of a beta, you know, and I'm waiting for just a few more features to like, to like hit the build kind of, yeah, I get uh, that. you know, stuff like the, the, the settlement building stuff. Uh, you know, we didn't talk all that much about it. Like I said, I liked it a lot, but there's a lot of stuff that kind of ends up happening with it where at first I was really engrossed with the settlement building. And then it, it almost like instantly kind of like overnight became ridiculously tedious. And, um, that's that's really that's that's a shame, uh, and those things could be improved upon in the instance of this game. You know, if they give the, basically all these problems would be set by a better UI, right? Yes. If you just, if oh you yes. Get a better UI, a better interface. One hundred percent settlement building will be just as engrossing as you know you want it to be, Bethesda. But I, I think I think actually a lot of the UI problems will be solved by mods, which I think I think. You know, obviously, the excuse, well, you can mod it out is not valid. It, you know, you could yeah, you right, could still yeah. go back. But I think that at least a lot of those concerns will be 
will be fixed by mods soon. Yep, that's definitely true. But, I mean, hey, listeners, man, the, my recommendation is if you liked Fallout 3, pick it up. It's it's a huge improvement over that. Uh, oof, otherwise, man, oh, I'm no, not I, sure. <laughs> I, I, other, otherwise, by the way, I think the answer is get it on sale, get it after a couple of patches in a few months, right? You know, like... That's that's kind of where I where I come down. Um, the only people that I think buying, that I think the only people that should buy this for the sixty dollar price tag are those who are just like really jonesing for a new but like hardcore Bethesda open world game to play. Um, so I'm I'm going to say I, I kind of get your sentiment, but uh, I'm going to say that if you're looking to buy a game right now, that it's probably the best option. Like maybe Witcher three, um, but like. Don't go buy Cod Blops instead of this game. Buy this game. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I guess in the current ecosystem, you know, I, I haven't played Legacy of the Void yet. I know that I talked a lot about it. I'm sure. Uh, well, ne- well, we're talking about some different stuff next week, but uh, I'm sure that we'll get to kind of my miniature review of uh, sure. of of Legacy of the Void, and then maybe that will that will trounce uh the the shortcomings that that we've talked quite extensively about in fallout 4 yeah um but uh yeah this really turned into kind of a bitch cast i was expecting more positivity but you know we didn't like there are problems and it's okay to talk about them well so the other thing is the things that bethesda has done right here are not really all that interesting to talk about because they're the things that bethesda's always done right you know (laughs) you can just i don't know you can you can look to anybody talking about the original Fallout Three or or Skyrim to hear all of the good great stuff because sure. all of that stuff is you know par for the course as it was or you know kind of marginally almost like an it, almost, this game feels very iterative in that sense uh, but the things where they I really just kind of feel the like at this they point did bad, they did bad. Yeah, the things that they did bad were the things that they were innovating on, the things that they were really changing, and so it's easy to dig into why those changes happened and where they yeah. faltered. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, even with like you know the flaws in the in the in the settlement system, I think I'd rather have the settlement system than not have it. Oh, certainly, definitely. Um, but it's one of those things. I I, I, I made this comparison uh, to a couple of friends the other day, but uh, I think the settlement system. It kind of had to be released with the base game, but I think the settlement system really wanted to be its own DLC, like the Homestead or whatever it was called. Um, for for Hearth, uh, yeah, the Hearth. Uh, God, what was it called? Well, whatever. The, yeah, the Hearth DLC for Skyrim, right? All inclusive, right? It's all in there, and it's super complete, and you know, it's it's deep and complex and interesting, obviously, but it's you know, fundamentally, it's complete. Um, and I think that's what the settlement system really ended up wanting to be. It should have been its own kind of DLC. Um, it would have it would have taken some stuff out of the main storyline. You know, I don't know. That's that's my own. That's, that's my personal. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, my, my head canon is that that you know that that should have happened. Uh, but anyway, I guess we've I guess we've talked Fallout Four to death. Yeah, um, <laughs> I hope we have. Uh, you know. At, you know, I still I still like it. I think you still like it. We're still Definitely. playing it. We'll still yep. probably give many updates. I'm good. I am literally going to go right back to it after this. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. So, listeners, if you'd like to tell us why you hate or love Fallout Four, email us at some derps talk about games or no, some derps play games rather at gmail.com. That's some derps play games at gmail.com. Um, check us out when we play Iron Gods on uh, Tuesdays. 
at 6 p.m. on twitch.tv slash play games. And check us out on uh, Mondays, generally, for Rise of the Rune Lords at the same place, twitch.tv slash play games. Um, you can leave a comment on the SoundCloud if you'd like. I check we, we check both the SoundCloud and the email. Um, still waiting for anybody to comment or email us. Um, <laughs> one day, one day, we'll one day. Uh, but until uh, <laughs> baby steps. Uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, farewell. <laughs>